0: Well, good evening, you (laughs) GDSOBMFers. Now, if I really said that, you guys probably wouldn't listen to anything I would have said after those words. My credibility would have been right out the window, and rightly so. And the exact same thing happens to you when you say, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. I love Jesus, but... Because when you start using swear words and curse words and foul language as adjectives to pepper your speech and then you say that you're a believer you have just lost your witness and your credibility with whomever you're speaking to now i'm not saying that you know you got to be perfect and, and, and we're always going to say and speak the right things i even drop f-bombs once in a blue moon i even slip up and say things in the heat of the moment That's where forgiveness and grace comes in. But to use that in your everyday speech, like some people do, we've been on a theme for the last several times I've spoke here of things that the church is accepting that the Bible still says is wrong, that God still says is wrong. And this is another example of that. There is cursing and swearing going on in the body of christ going on in churches and in meeting places like this and nobody is Challenging it and nobody is saying boo about it We need to speak up and we need to put our foot down and like captain america language It may get annoying and people might get mad, but that's not your problem When 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 did it become okay to start you know, throwing out these cuss words, foul language, swear words and still say, "Oh yeah, I'm 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 a good believer, I'm a good Christian." It runs our witness. The, in Romans 12:2, it says, "Be not conformed to this world." The Greek says do not let the world press you into its mold do not be conformed to this world but be transformed which means to be changed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind when you become a believer your mind begins to get renewed your heart begins to become renewed You're not the same person that you used to be, and I love Aaron's testimony. I hated everyone. I hated myself, but when Jesus came into my life, I loved everybody, and I can't explain why, because that's just not me. Not saying that you have to flip and change overnight. You know, sometimes you shed your your old self in layers, and sometimes you change little by little. But certain things, you know, the Lord miraculously decides, for whatever reason, to change you on the spot automatically for for some, some reason. Um, why you know, when, when you're a believer and you curse and you swear as your everyday kind of language, what is it that will draw people to Christ? They're like, Well, he talks the way I do. He says and does the exact same things I do. He just says Jesus every once in a while. How is he different? Why would, and, and I don't understand why the church feels like it has to be the world to attract people to it. You know what that's like? That's that's like the circus coming to town. When the circus comes to town, you know everybody wants to go just to see what all the hubbub's about. Oh yeah, I want to see that guy who swallows swords. Yeah, I want to see that guy who walks on fire. Yeah, I want to see that tiger jump through the hoop. Yeah, I want to see that elephant up close. Yeah, I want to see the bearded lady. Right? You know the circus comes to town and everybody just wants to go and see just because they're curious. But that curiosity just draws you once once you've been to the circus and seen it you don't need to go again so a lot of times these churches have these gimmicks and there's even some preachers who cuss a little in their sermons and drop GD or the S word or whatever thinking oh if I'm more relatable to people I'm gonna get those street people to come no you're not they're gonna come to see the freak show but they're gonna leave right after and not come back We're supposed to be different on purpose. God calls us a peculiar people. We're supposed to be odd We're supposed to be different and that's is the drawing power And that's what causes people to stay not because we're like the world or sort of like the world, but we got Jesus Okay, so we're dealing with foul language we're dealing with cuss words. What is a cuss word? The cuss word comes from the word curse It's a curse word So, for an example, a curse word would be God damn it. That would be a curse word because you are asking God to damn something. What is damn? Damn is the truncated word for the longer word, damnation. Damnation is simply another word for hell. So, when you're saying God damn it, you're saying go to hell. God send this thing, send this person, send this situation to hell. That's a curse. And that's why it's called curse words so you're petitioning god to send to hell whatever you you just addressed now there's an example a story that i heard don't know if it's true or not i kind of tend to believe it's true but there was this farmer and sometimes farmers can be somewhat like sailors they're they're a little rough around the edges and everything and their their speech is peppered with the flowery language of of curse words and foul language and you know he noticed that uh his animals were dying and his livestock was just keeling over dropping like flies and he just couldn't understand what was going on so in desperation he went to the church to the local church and he went to the pastor he said pastor you know i'm losing my livelihood here i don't know what's going on my livestock's dying and i don't know why and the pastor just kind of sat there thoughtful for a minute and he said well do you mind if i just spend a day with you on the farm well sure come right along so one day the pastor shows up and just follows, you know, from sun up to sundown, follows the farmer around and, and you know, observing him while he's doing his chores. You know, he's feeding the cows and feeding the chickens and he's baling hay and he's plowing the field and doing this. And he noticed that when he was dealing with the animals and whenever the, he got frustrated with the animals, he would start cursing the animals. GD this and GD that, GD this and GD that. And so after you know the day was over uh you know the pastor went home and then called the farmer in the next day and he says i I think i figured out what's going on he goes you're killing your animals what do you mean i'm killing my animals i take good care of my animals you know i i give them the best feed and clean water and they've got a you know nice clean place to stay you know I, i shovel up their manure i don't let them stay in filth no 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 you don't understand He said, as I was following you around, you were cursing your animals. You were condemning them to death. You were asking God to kill them. What do you mean? Every time you said GD this and GD that. So alternately, we we say it's a cuss word, which is just the slang way of saying it's a curse word. But ultimately we say, sometimes we call it a swear word. Somebody's swearing. Why? Because... When someone swears, it's usually followed by a curse. So something like this, I swear, may God strike me dead if I don't do such and such. See, it's a swear word. You're swearing to God, and then you're adding a curse word to it. Swearing usually involves invoking the name of a deity. This would be breaking the commandment, the sin of taking the Lord's name in vain. Because you're invoking God's name as you're 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 swearing an oath and you're cursing at the same time you're swearing an oath and you're using god's name well it's not necessarily god's name but it's god's title god is not his name god is his title but it's still we it's the same same principle granted god and lord are not proper names but titles but when we know uh but but we know who we mean when we use these titles so it's just as if we are saying the proper name how serious How serious is taking God's name in vain or swearing a meaningless oath in his name? <coughs> Let's look in Leviticus chapter 24. Leviticus chapter 24, starting with verse 10. Now the son of an Israelite woman, whose father was an Egyptian, so we're talking about a guy who's half Israelite and half Egyptian here. He went out among B'nai Israel, among the children of Israel, and a fight broke out between the Israelite woman's son and an Israelite man. So when you're, before it comes to blows, usually you're talking trash to one another. You, you low down, no good, snake in the grass, you SOB, you blanket. you know, you're talking trash. You're cussing, swearing, and cursing the other person before it comes to blows so it says a fight broke out between the israelite woman's son and the israelite man the israelite woman's son blasphemed the name and cursed so that he brought so they brought him to moses so he was probably saying yahweh damn you maybe that's what he said he was invoking god to damn the person or he was cursing the person in some way invoking god's proper name against this israelite man and of course everybody in the camp was like because oh, nobody but the levites said god's proper name so it says they brought him to moses his mother's name was Shelomith, the daughter of Debri, of the tribe of dan they put him in custody Until the will of Adonai could be declared to them. Now, notice that the Israelites didn't have a jail system. Nobody was sent to jail, nobody was sent to prison. You were held in custody, but only long enough for a decision or a sentence to be rendered to you. So it says in verse 13: Then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the one who cursed, and remember, a curse is invoking God to do something. That probably you shouldn't ask God to do. So bring the one who cursed out of the camp and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head and have the entire congregation stone him. And we're not talking reefer. We're talking literal granite hard stones that you pelt somebody with until they're dead. then you will speak to ben israel to the children of israel saying whoever curses his god will bear his sin now we're not talking about cursing god like shaking your fist at the sky and actually cursing god but what it's talking about here is using god's proper name and or his titles and a curse against somebody else because that's the whole context of this story this half egyptian half israelite dude cursed an israelite man in the name of the god of israel Then you will speak to Bnei Israel, saying, whoever curses his God will bear his sin. So when you curse somebody in God's name, it's as if you're cursing God himself. You've done it unto the least of these. You've done it unto me, the New Testament says. Whoever blasphemes the name of Adonai, which part of blasphemy is using God like some sort of genie in your pocket to do something that God can't do because he's a holy God and it's out of character for him that's a form of blasphemy or misusing God's name that's blasphemous so it says uh, whoever blasphemes the name of Adonai must surely be put to death the whole congregation must stone him the outsider Now, who's the outsider somebody who's not a Hebrew, somebody who's not a Jew, somebody who's not an Israelite, but somebody who has decided to live in the community of Israel and travel with them through their 40-year wanderings in the wilderness. And they have accepted the God of Israel as their God. That's who the outsider is. So it says the outsider as well as the native-born. So God is not showing favoritism. It's not one law for this group and one law for that group. It's one law for everybody. The outsider as well as the native born, when he blasphemes the name, is to be put to death. Numbers 30 chapter 2 says, uh, whenever a man makes a vow to Adonai or swears an oath, okay, so we're talking about curse words, we're talking about swear words. So whenever a man makes a vow to Adonai Or swears an oath to obligate himself to a pledge he is not to violate his word but to do everything that came out of his mouth there's a passage of scripture says that every idle word we speak will be brought into judgment by God how many times have we said I swear to God but we never really meant that right we never meant to actually do what we said we'd swear to God to do That's a false oath, that's lying, that's also taking God's name in vain. That's just simply careless speech. So what happens when one makes a rash vow to God? Sometimes even in our well-meaningness, in our zeal, we say, oh God, I swear I'll never do that again. I've even said that and guess what? I've done what I swore I wouldn't do because I'm flesh and blood and I'm weak. It's kind of like uh, the movie with Burt Reynolds, the end, where Burt Reynolds was, was trying to kill himself, right? <laughs> wanted to die. So he finally makes it, he swims out into the middle of the ocean, and he's so tired he can't swim anymore. And he, he realizes he's about to drown. And finally, he's getting what he wants, and then he realizes, wait a second, that's not really what I wanted. <laughs> so he starts huffing it back to shore, and he's swimming back to shore saying, God, I swear. If you get me back safely, I'll give you everything that I have. So he's swimming harder and harder, and he sees that he's making it, you know? And then he gets halfway there, and he says, Lord, I swear, if you get me back safely, I'll give you half of everything that I own. So he's swimming harder and harder, and finally, he's getting closer and closer. He's like, okay, Lord, I swear, if you get me back safe, you know, I'll give you 10%. That's what you asked for anyway. I'll give you 10% of everything that I own. I'm
1: just joking. And then finally he
0: makes it back to land, and he's laying there all exhausted. He's like, Lord, if you, never, if you ever need anything, just let me know.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, what happens when one makes a rash vow to God? He swears uh, a vow to God rashly. Well, for that, we go to Judges, the book of Judges, chapter 11 chapter 11. starting with verse 30. All right. okay. so you have this guy named Jephthah. and uh, he was in he was illegitimate born. He was uh, basically shoved out of his community because of that fact. but all of a sudden because he was a good warrior, people all of a sudden needed him and say, we need your specialties and your skills. Come and help us fight. So uh, you know he agrees. And so he says in verse 30 then jephthah vowed a vow to adonai and said if you will indeed give the children of ammon into my hand then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when i return safely from the children of ammon it will be adonai's and i will offer it up as a burnt offering that's a pretty serious vow verse 32 so jephthah (laughs) crossed over To the children of ammon to fight against them and adonai gave them into his hand so he utterly defeated them from auror until you came to mineth 20 towns as far as abel uh, Chirimim. so the children of ammon were subdued before bene israel before the children of israel now when jephthah arrived at his home in mizpah behold his daughter came out to meet him with tambourines and with dance now she was his only child besides her he had no son or daughter and upon seeing her he tore his clothes and said alas my daughter you made me bow down in grief you made me miserable for i have opened my mouth to adonai and i cannot take it back god if you do this for me i will give you i will i will slaughter my firstborn be careful of what you say so verse 30 or 36 this is the daughter's response my father you have opened your mouth to adonai she said to him do to me what proceeds from your mouth since adonai brought vengeance upon your enemies the children of ammon She said further to her father, let this, let this thing be done for me. Let me be alone two months so that I may go on to the mountain and mourn my virginity. I and my companions go, he said. So he sent her away for two months. She left, she and her companions and mourned on the mountains because of her virginity. Then at the end of the two months, she returned to her father who did with her according to his vow and that he had made. So she was never intimate with a man. So it came a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel would go annually to commemorate the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite, four days in a year. Now, this passage poses a lot of problems for some people because we know that God does not approve of human sacrifice. When Abraham tried to do it because that's what God told him to do, God said, Whoa, 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 stop. All right, I believe you. You will do anything for me. You don't have to sacrifice your son. He's as good as dead because you've shown that you were going to go through with it. Here's a ram. Substitute this ram for Isaac. So I don't believe that he literally sacrificed his daughter as a burnt offering. But his daughter was as good as dead because she would never be intimate with a man. She would never have children. She would never carry on his family line or the family line of whatever her husband would be. And so basically the line ended with her, and once she was dead, that was it. So the sacrifice was giving up her life in service to God. So I don't believe that he literally sacrificed her. But see, back then, genealogies were extremely important. Having children was extremely important because that's how you carried on your name. That's how you carried on your family line. It was so serious to carry on your family name. That if you were a guy and you died before you could produce a firstborn son, your brother got dibs on your wife to produce a son. So that son could have the same DNA and carry on the name of that father. And God took that so seriously that the same thing happened with Judah's children. And Onan was supposed to uh, produce a child on Ur's behalf because. Er died but he just wanted to get his rocks off and get his jollies and before he came to climax he pulled out and spilled his seed on the ground and God said uh uh that's not the way we do things here boom Onan's dead so we see how serious swearing an oath to God is now let's go to the Brit Chodesha what's the Brit Chodesha that's the New Testament the renewed covenant We're going to Matthew, Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five, starting with verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall carry out your oaths to Adonai. But I tell you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it is the throne of God. Or by earth, for it is his footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. Let your word be yes, be yes, and your no be no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The more you talk, the more you obligate yourself, and the more you say things, the more. But if it's just a simple yes or no, that's all that's needed. Uh, Yeah, it's in James chapter 5, verse 12. I was going to go there next. So it's interesting because you have have, uh, these faiths, certain sects of Christianity, that when they go to court, they're saying, I'm sorry, God said not to swear, so I'm not going to swear. So they can't swear an oath. And even Judaism is that way too. So they have made an exception for those faiths. So instead of saying, I swear, you can say, I affirm. So you're still basically saying, yes, I affirm that I'm going to tell the truth. I'm not going to swear on the Bible or I'm not going to swear to do anything because God told me not to swear. That's how serious they take that passage. So they are permitted to affirm. So as Tracy uh, pointed out, does, is that in James also? She was right. She knows her Bible. And that's what I was going to read next. So James chapter 5 verse 12 says something very, very similar. James, being the half-brother of Yeshua, said, But above all, my dear brothers and sisters, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under judgment. If we're believers and brothers and sisters in the Lord, we don't have to make promises or swear to one another. Our word should be our bond, and if we say we're going to do something, then we should... Believe each other that we're going to do that. Sadly, that's a little hard for me because I've had so many believers let me down, saying they're going to do something they didn't and they didn't do it. So, all right, I remember when I was in in uh, high school. Now, people always said Jesus, Jesus Christ, all the time. And they didn't mean it because they were calling out on the name of Jesus. They were swearing. They were using Jesus as a swear word, as a cuss word. Why doesn't anybody say, oh, gosh, Mohammed? Oh, Buddha. How come it's always Jesus Christ? It's no other deity that's used as a swear word. No other prophet that's used as a swear word. It's always Jesus Christ. I got fed up with it. So every time I heard somebody say, Jesus, or Jesus Christ, I would run to the nearest window. I said, "Back hey, where? Where?" <laughs> like he was coming back. People got finally got tired of that, and they never said that around me again. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> he probably didn't hang around you anymore. No, they didn't hang around me much either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I
1: was thinking
0: you got beat up a lot. No, actually, you know, I actually uh, you know didn't get beat up that much. <laughs> so. Uh, hey some people get beat up so much it's an official school sport you could even letter in it uh, so saying Jesus or Jesus Christ in anger is cursing and taking his name in vain all right and so we already know that there's a commandment against that thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain and that means don't use it flipping, flippantly don't use it as off-the-cuff it should be a holy sacred name that you only say in respect in adoration and in love now let's cover a couple other cuss words. SOB. Everybody knows what I mean by that. That's breaking the commandment of not respecting your elders and not honoring your parents. So not only are you, you know, swearing and cussing and using foul language, you're breaking another commandment by not respecting or honoring your elders or honoring your parents. How is SOB honoring your, your, your parents, you were calling somebody's mother a female dog. I don't know about you, but back where I'm from and in my time, you didn't talk about somebody else's mama. Those were fighting words. But we say SOB like it's nothing. M I, oh gosh, I hate that too. And that's another disrespect to a mother to a parent, to an elder. You're breaking that same commandment, the F word. Now my mom, she didn't like me saying the F word, but when I got too old to spank, I said, fart anytime I wanted to. (laughs) She she got offended by the word fart. So she said, Oh, don't say that word. Say that you tooted (laughs) or say that you let a stinker. Don't say that F word. Uh, So the (laughs) f-word so the f-word is making a holy act of sexual relations within marriage also partnering with god in creation as an unholy lewd act it is a perversion of what god created as holy it's just plain perverted and causes people to have bad images in their mind when you say the f-word That's what Satan does. He takes anything that's good, anything that's holy, and he perverts it and corrupts it. I mean, sex is a beautiful, wonderful thing in the bonds of marriage. Now, okay, you guys may think, well, you probably already think I'm crazy, but I'm going to be a little bit more crazy. Mm -hmm. You know how sometimes when you're in church... Or you're in a service and some you you're worshiping God, and you're singing a song, and you get those glory bumps that start from the top of your head and goes to your feet, the chills, and you're like, oh man, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I have felt the presence of the Holy Spirit being intimate with my wife. And God said, that's because that is worship to me. It is a holy act. Because the Hebrew says that the marriage bed is undefiled. It's an act of worship. Because guess what? We are created in his image god created us he's given us the the ability to create other human beings how awesome is that (laughs) (laughs) we're partnering with god in creation when we have children no i mean that's not the only purpose for sexual relations i mean god intended it for pleasure between two married couples an expression of love and intimacy that's supposed to be shared with no one else So when you use the F word, you you make that holy, sacred act, that act of worship something ungodly and perverted. And that's wrong. Now, there's other lesser words like the S word, which you know what? I never, ever heard my mom say a cuss word or a swear word. Never. Now, my dad, on the other hand, he was a godly man, but he liked the S word. (laughs) Sometimes when he'd get upset and mad, he would just, the S word would fly out. It may not be a curse or a swear word per se, but it is beneath a believer to use it. And it's classified by our society as a cuss word, and it constitutes coarse language. So don't think, well, I'm not cussing, I'm not swearing. If you're saying words that the majority of the society considers it's just lewd. It's just rude. It's socially unacceptable. It's just distasteful. It's, you shouldn't be saying that in public. If, if it's something, well, I really can't say that anymore because they let any word on TV now. But let's say about 20 years ago, whenever you would hear a dude, you know, they're bleeping out a word. If it's a word that could be bleeped, you shouldn't be saying it. So the Apostle Paul, Rav Sheol, says in Ephesians, if I can find that book here. Ephesians chapter 5. He's dealing with coarse language. Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 4. Obscene. Obscene. That would be dirty words. You know, another, you know, okay, let's go back to the F word. When you get mad at somebody. And, saw, and call somebody a D word or call somebody a C word, calling them a sexual organ, calling them a phallus, it's the same thing. Calling some, that's, that's just sick. And I know, I know that even us believers want to say that about certain people that we dislike, that hate our faith. Well, this certain politician is up. But that is beneath us. That is still cursing and swearing. That is obscene language. Verse, chapter 5, verse 4 of Ephesians. Obscene, coarse, and stupid talk are also out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Know for certain that no immoral, indecent, or greedy person who is really an idol worshiper at heart has an inheritance in the kingdom of Messiah and God. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul is equating foul language and obscene language with idol worship why do you think that is because a lot of times a deity's name is invoked a lot of times we play God when we curse somebody because we think we have the power to do somebody in by our words so let me read to you also Colossians chapter 3 verse 8 But now set them all aside, anger, rage, malice, slander, and foul language out of your mouth. And I think there's a progression here because usually most of the time when we cuss and swear and say foul language and obscene things, it's usually in anger. So if we can get rid of that anger, we can probably clean up our language pretty quick. Oh, there's a t-shirt that I've seen. I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. What does the scripture say? Can bitter water and sweet water can't come out of the same fountain? If I go to a water fountain, I'm expecting fresh water out of that water fountain. I'm not expecting salty seawater. And if we are fountains representing the life-giving waters of Messiah, then that bitter, dirty, foul sewage water should not be coming out of our mouths. You dirty G-D S-O-B-M-Fers. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah, thank Jesus. Oh, bless his holy name. See how stupid and ridiculous that is? Matthew 5:11 says, It's what comes out of the mouth that what defiles a person. Now, some people will say, "Well, I, I just can't stop cussing." Oh, really? So, if you're saying that you can't stop cussing, you're saying that God has no power over the tongue He created. If you say you can't stop cussing and you can't stop swearing, it's impossible for you. You're saying that God doesn't have the power to do that because you claim to be a believer. Let's take a look about uh, again about what Yeshua's brother said. James, he says in chapter one. Starting with verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious, oh, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. If anyone thinks he is religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is futile. Or as data would say, or the Borg would say, futile. Pure and undefiled religion before our God and the Father is this. To care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world, unstained. Cursing and swearing, obscene and foul language, is a stain. It's a stain upon us as believers. If people have heard you, and and your speech is peppered with foul language, they're not. They're he's a hypocrite. He or she is a hypocrite. They're not much of a Christian. Or if that's a Christian, I don't want to be one. and also in the book of james chapter 3 starting the first one it says not many of you should become teachers my brothers and sisters since you know that we will receive stricter judgment for we all stumble in many ways if someone does not stumble in speech he is a perfect man able to bridle his whole body as well yeah you know i i used to be perfect but now i'm even better and you know I never make mistakes I I thought I did once but I was wrong (laughs) all right that's my joke for tonight for we all stumble in many ways if someone does not stumble in speech he is a perfect man able to bridle his whole body well this tells me that you know what most of us may not be in the habit of using obscene dirty foul language cussing or swearing but sometimes It comes out even with the best of us and it's come out with me and I've had to admit to people I shouldn't have said that I'm wrong please forgive me I was angry and that's when we need to show love and grace to one another if you know that that person is not in the habit of using that language and they use it still call them out on it but say man you know I get it I get mad too sometimes I say those things you know I forgive you you know let." For we all stumble in many ways and if someone does not stumble in speech he is a perfect man able to bridle his whole body well and if we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us we guide their whole body as well see also ships though they are so large they're driven by strong winds they can be steered by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs so also the tongue is a small member yet it boasts of great things see how small a fire set ablaze so great a forest all it takes is a spark when we have those dry days and there's a fire ban and there's a spark whew, it's it's amazing how fast a fire can spread through a spark see how small the fire set ablaze so great a forest and the tongue is a fire The tongue is a world of evil placed among our bodily parts. It pollutes the whole body and sets on fire the course of life. It is set on fire by hell. That's some pretty heavy-duty language there that James is uh, dishing out to us there. In 2 Timothy 2.16, But avoid godless chatter for it will lead to further ungodliness. This morning, I think I read in First Corinthians about how bad company corrupts good morals. Watch out who you hang around with. Now, this is kind of an innocent example, but it proves my point. Growing up, my neighbors were black, and I would hang out with their grandchildren, and we'd be playing all day man by the end of the day i was talking like this not that i was making fun of them or trying to imitate them but their influence on me as we played caused me to start speaking in that way now people you know i'm from the united states and people say i have a northern accent but when i go home or talk to somebody on the phone they can hear my canadian accent so Canada has had an influence on my speech. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the same with foul language. If you're hanging around with people who saying GD, SOB, and, you know, MFer, this, that, and the other, dropping the F-bomb here and there, you're going to pick it up, whether you like it or not. It's going to influence you. And it's the same with the shows you watch on TV. Oh, man, it's such a good show. I don't care. I love that show. I don't care. Oh, man, I love this band. Yeah, but doesn't it say explicit lyrics on the cover? You have no business listening to that stuff. It's not edifying. It tears you down and it pollutes your mind. And it influences you and programs you to start speaking that way. Now, I know that we can't totally get away from that. Now, the D word or you know some kind of curse word, once in a blue moon in a movie, doesn't really bother me that much because it's the world, right? I don't expect it to be totally clean but when i'm watching a show and every other word is the f-bomb i'm turning that sucker off i'm not i don't want to listen to that it doesn't make the movie better it doesn't and people well i use curse words to drive the point home (laughs) idiot Just because you put a D word by something doesn't make me take you more seriously. But that's the excuse people will use. Well, I just say the D word or whatever, because it it drives what I'm saying to point home. You're fooling yourself. It's just a lame excuse to permit you to say bad bad words. That's basically all that is. Now, Colossians. Uh-huh. <laughs> Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Now, look. This is a hard sermon for me to preach because I, I swear and cuss sometimes. And it's usually when I'm in the heat of anger, when I'm frustrated and angry and I'm to my limit. So I'm not totally innocent here. I've got, I've got work to do myself. But at least I, I'm, I could admit that. right? So Colossians 4.6 says, Let your speech always be with grace. Seasoned with salt. Now, we know that salt is a a preservative. It keeps meat from rotting. But salt was also a form of commerce. Roman soldiers were paid with salt. That's why we have the saying, oh, man, that person ain't worth its salt. In other words, he's not worth his pay. He's not worth his hire. He's cheap so that's where that saying comes from let your speech always be with grace seasoned with salt to know how you ought to answer everyone now because i'm a preacher i'm a talker sometimes i have a problem of not uh, of talking too much but i'm slowly learning that you know what it's okay to have that pause and that silence you're not going to lose people's attention And sometimes when somebody asks us something, we feel like we have to fill in that gap really quick and say something really fast because you don't want any dead air. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with just just thinking about something. So if somebody asks you a question, especially about your faith, you don't have to answer them right away. You will notice that those who are well-versed in the scripture, you'll notice that those who are um, very mature in the faith, when you ask them something, they won't answer you right away. They may put their hand on their chin and kind of look up, and you can see the gears moving. And it's not because they're stupid and they're trying to think. It's just they're they're like, what is the wisest, most efficient, best way to give this answer is what they're thinking. And usually when they do speak, it comes out as gold. So, you you know, you don't always have to answer right away. But it says, let your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt, and know how you ought to answer, folks. That
1: just reminded me of Yeah? Yeah. Whenever I have a conversation with him, I'll ask him a question, and he'll go. Yeah. And then what he lays on me usually takes me a week to figure out. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, no, I I'm mean, going.
0: Carl's been down the road quite yeah. a ways, and he yeah. he's a wise man. Yes, he's a very, very wise man. Very, very well. So that's a perfect example right there. So how do you stop cussing? If you've got a problem with foul language, obscenity, dirty words, how do you stop cussing? Number one, pray for the Holy Spirit's help. James 4.7 says, submit to God and the devil will flee. Not maybe, not might, but will. If you submit to God, he will flee. Pray for the Holy Spirit to help you. You know, this is what I pray. Because, you know, God understands our culture. He understands our idioms. And sometimes it's the only way I know how to put it. It says, Lord... Put a check engine light in my spirit you know whenever the check engine light comes on you know something's wrong and you know you got to look for something that's wrong in the car so i said lord put a check engine light in my spirit so that you know i'll know to stop and not say what i was going to say not only that but be accountable to others find other people and say look i got a problem with saying bad words call me out every single time I say something bad cuz sometimes people don't realize they're cussing. A lot of times the people that come from Harvest House, who have been new believers, freshly saved, they will swear and cuss, but they don't even realize they're saying it because it's just part of their everyday speech. I was like that. Yeah, and a lot a lot of other people or your language. Yeah, that's, yeah. And that's well, that's what you need is you need somebody to call you out, like Captain America did for the, the, the Avengers. Language. He always called people out on their language. Number three, call out foul language yourself. You may it may feel hypocritical, but you're you're in the process of trying to clean up your own tongue and when you recognize it in other people, you'll be quicker to recognize it in you. So call it out for other people.
1: And not only that, first like if you hear it and you call it out on it. Almost a reminder
0: of yourself that you can't say that. Exactly. That's my point. Exactly. Because people use cuss words as adjectives. Mm-hmm. You know, so like if they want to say, oh, man, you know, that bike had big pipes. You should have seen the f and pipes on that bike. That <laughs> They're trying to say bigger pipes, but they said the F word. They're using curse words as adjectives.
1: Well, I used to use them as a... Well,
0: we're just talking about English swearing. We're, we're not even talking about French swearing. French swearing, yeah. that's, a that's a whole other ball game because their swear words are sacred words.
1: Yes. I, could, I could swear in three languages. <laughs> Please don't. I a little bit
0: of So, okay. um, Number four, stop watching shows or listening to music where every other word... Is a cuss word maybe you need to implement the swear jar because when your pocketbook gets lighter it'll make you check your speech a little bit more now this one's kind of touchy because sometimes people abuse this one you know like uh i don't want you to end up being a cutter or somebody (laughs) who enjoys pain but sometimes it's a good idea to wear a rubber band and whenever you cuss you snap that rubber band it's called negative reinforcement and next time you want to say a swear word you'll remember how much that hurts when that rubber band flicks on your wrist and you're like mm, and you'll stop <laughs> verbally acknowledge and apologize when you do say something you shouldn't say and that will make you more aware of your language and be less likely to use foul language in the future and maybe sometimes out of practice maybe take a temporary vow of silence that's a hard one. A hard one. Please, you'll have to bring a note. You'll have to bring a notebook, or just text everybody. Interrupt you again, but
1: <laughs> follow silence. Carol, one time she was mad at me. She said, "I'm done talking to you." She never talked to me for three days, and finally she said, "This is not working with you, isn't it?" <laughs> I enjoyed the silence. Excuse you, more.
0: So, th- those are those are ways. Maybe that can help you get on the path to stop cussing. Now, what about substitute words? Well, uh, uh, well, you know, people say, well, they're better than the real word, but we know exactly what you intend to say okay, when you okay. say that. So when you say dang, or fudge, or frick, or cheese and rice, or Jeezy Crow, you're basically saying the same thing. Well, everybody hears right exactly they're reading between the lines you know so try to turn it around you know for example like there was a guy you know who hit his thumb with a hammer and he was like God God, God bless America (laughs) so he managed not to to cuss but you know it's interesting the Bible tells us to uh, bless and not curse so turn it around, turn the curse into a blessing. And for that, we go to Romans. I'd have to try really hard. the hammer throw. Romans chapter 12, starting with verse uh, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. True story. Bible College. Nashville, Tennessee. College campus. <clears throat> There was a a group of teenagers riding in a car, and there was a couple Bible college students walking down the sidewalk with their slacks and their ties and their shirts, and they egged them. And you know what the guy said that got egged? Praise the Lord! The other guy's like, we just got egged. What are you doing praising the Lord? And he's like, well, it says bless and do not curse. (laughs) He took it literally. So uh, Romans 12, 14, we'll get back to that. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another and do not be proud but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Repay no one evil for evil and give thought to what is good in the eyes of all people. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live in shalom, live in peace with all people never take your own revenge loved ones but give room for god's wrath for it is written vengeance is mine i will repay says adonai says the lord rather if your enemy is hungry kick him while he's down no it says feed him if he's thirsty give him something to drink by doing so you will heap coals of fire upon his the sweetest revenge is killing somebody with kindness I mean, in junior high, I had a kid pick on me and I turned around and was nice to him. He's like, why are you being nice to me? Instead of him stealing my food at lunch, I offered him my food. Why why are you doing that? Because, man, I love you. I I told you many times that story about uh, where I almost got in a fight and I told that guy that Jesus loved him and I did too and he didn't hit me. (laughs) It it shocked him silent. (laughs) And he was my friend after that and stood up for me when other people started making fun of me. So, you know, turn the the curse into a blessing. And I know I'm going a little bit long here. So Luke chapter, but it's it's a pretty heavy subject that's applicable to us all. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But I say to you who are listening, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And for the one who takes your cloak, do not hold back your shirt. Give to everyone who asks, and whoever takes something of yours, make no demands upon him. That's hard to do. That's very hard to do. So, you know, instead of using substitute words, why don't you make <laughs> up your own funny phrases and words like whatever happened to it, well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. I mean, that's that's something that you could say. That's not a cuss word, a swear word, or any or foul. Or what about the classic Charlie Brown? Drat! Yeah, drat. Um, let's see. Or we'll bust my britches. Say something country bunkin' instead. You know, make up something or something. something ooh, snickerdoodle. <laughs> and it's a little bit funny, and you'll be, not be swearing, and you'll still get that frustration out, but in a holy, godly way, and maybe even someday you'll be able to wean yourself off of those silly phrases. Now, again, show grace. I mean, we we don't want to be like the, the, the cuss word police, per se, and, you know, nail everybody to the wall every time they say a cuss word, but shed some grace. I mean, yeah, say, hey, language, watch what you say or whatever. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. But there's an example of a trucker. Oh, and we know how truckers they can they their their language is just like sailors and, and certain farmers we've talked about. Now there's a trucker that turned preacher. And you know how sometimes when a preacher's in the heat of the moment and he's just giving her, right? Well, this one preacher he was talking about uh, you know, about Samson and talking about the jawbone of the donkey, right? And uh, so he's like, and Samson, he took that jawbone of that donkey and he whipped the ass off them Philistines. And he's like, ooh. (laughs) And he was so humiliated, he was going to end his pastoral career right then and there. But thank God it was a loving, mature church that says, preacher, we know where you came from. We know what you meant. We know you didn't mean that. And they loved him and showed grace to him. You know, so you know, we got it. We got to show. We got to have a balance here. You know, when when it comes to all this cussing and swearing. So, um, I don't know why the Lord has been giving me all these punchy in the gut sermons, but the church really needs needs to get back to the basics. Yeah. I think why
1: them, because we
0: need to hear it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I need to hear them myself because personally, I've been lax and I have not spoken up in situations where I should. And and silence is is just as good as consent. So we need to we need to get and people, oh that's legalist. No, it's not legalistic, it's just simply right. It's just simply what the word of God plainly says, and we're trying our best to live out by the word of God. So Harvest House is a great place to kind of practice this because we know newcomers and we need to gently remind those newcomers and those new baby believers: hey, you may not realize what you just said. But kind of watch your language there, you know, and just and help people wean. And the more they spend time around us and you guys and whatever, probably the less and less they'll start saying they'll be saying that stuff.
1: There's a friend of mine in Natchitoches that I've worked in uh, union with, and he's a good Christian man, and he was a Christian when I was a Christian. I stayed at his place, and of course, <coughs> I, and I could come, you know, I couldn't bear to it. So, well, anyway, I was going off one day and I thought and then said something. Uh-huh. And he looks at me and he says, Is that the same? He said everything I said except the curse word. He says, Is that what you mean? <laughs> and he would do that to me all the time. And I became so aware of my swearing. Yeah. Like it was so helpful. But it wasn't like I didn't feel be- belittled. Yeah. yeah. Right.
0: Well, he didn't
1: well, like it
0: when I did it to him, so. oh yeah, but, <laughs> I'll, I'll end I'll end with this story, and this is another danger about foul language. When we get into habits, those habits become a part of us. And when we no longer have control over our own faculties, those instinctual things and habitual things will take over. There's a story of two old guys who lost their mind, got dementia, and they were putting in the manor, put in the nursing home. One of them was a lumberjack, worked out in the forest all the time. And he'd be wheeling his wheelchair down the road and blankety blank and blank swear this and cuss that and da 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 da. And he didn't know what he was saying. He went, nobody was home. The lights were on, but nobody was home. That's because he had dementia and it's just his instincts kicked in. The other man, on the other hand, he spent most of his life preaching the gospel. And he would wheel down his wheelchair and he'd be saying John three sixteen, and he'd be quoting scripture and he'd be preaching sermons because he was on autopilot too. It's like a computer, garbage in, garbage out. What you put in, it's like what Jesus said. It's not, it's not what goes into a person that defiles him, it's what comes out. So you gotta be careful what you put in because what you put in is what's going to be put out. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, all of us sitting here, has a problem with our tongue because James says that nobody can control the tongue because if they did they would be perfect and nobody here is perfect so Lord we need your help and, and, and we invite your Holy Spirit to convict us to draw our attention to every time that something bad comes out of our mouth and put that check engine light in our spirit so that we can be alerted before we're about to say something that we can't take back and Lord help us to, you said to be angry and sin not. So it's not a sin to be angry. It's how we express that anger, which defines it as sin or not. And so sometimes we define our anger by a slew of cuss words. When we get mad or frustrated, teach us how to do something different. Teach us a better way to express our anger without using foul language, obscenities and curse words and, and, and swear words because we want to be holy people. We don't want to turn anybody away because of something that we say that's wrong. We want to be a good witness for you. We don't want to be a hypocrite. We don't want to be the reason or the excuse that somebody says, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not gonna to listen to this Jesus stuff. So Lord, help us to be graceful in our speech. You said to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Help us to take that literally And just to bless one another, to encourage one another, to edify one another, to build one another up. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. We can tear somebody down by calling them a dummy or lift them up by saying, God bless you, brother. I love you. So help us to be and do all that you want us and have us to be. For we ask and pray these things in Yeshua's name. Amen.